Hi, welcome to my creativity. I'm sorry. This is a podcast about being creative and producing output. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity. From the planning and goal setting, to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head, and the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Each week, I go over last week's goals, and at the end of the episode, I present some new goals. This is how I stay accountable. I present my goals, and when I write them down, and then... I feel more obligated to achieve them. I think we've all been told that a goal written down is something along the lines of 80% more likely to be done. So, you'll be able to see my progress as I go along. So, it's the end of November and it's beginning of December. I'll have some new goals for December next week, which will be finishing off my first quarter for this planning year. But finishing off November goals... I had to publish book three of Exit Plan. I have published book one and two, and I am just finishing off the cover for book three, so that one didn't quite get done. Enact my marketing strategy, updating social media, write blogs, engage on Twitter. Uh, I write the blogs. Heal my legs. So I've been doing a lot of running. A few weeks back, I did uh, 21 kilometers. It's a half marathon, and that sort of stretched my, stressed my legs a bit too much. didn't like it. So getting them better now then last week's goals exit plan 12 yes that was done that was the second last episode for the season and second last for that story arc next week is the very last episode of exit plan at least that story and you'll get to see i guess a bit more about what's going on there book three cover i'm 90 percent finished my book three cover as soon as that's finished i can publish book three Running. Well, instead of running this week, I actually went skateboarding with my wife and her friends. That was very cool. I learned how to drop in. I spent about three hours and got very sweaty, just drinking water constantly, and uh, only fell over once and nearly broke my arm. So that's nice. And write blogs. Yes, I've written six blogs. They're ready to go up. By the end of December, I should have almost half a year's worth of blogs which will give me enough time then to focus on writing more books. So, this week I thought I would read a short story I wrote back in 2012, January 2012. That's not too bad, it's sort of a bit of a horror story. So be careful, you might get frightened. Karma Bites by Surrey Hughes Snow and ice crunched under his booted feet. The thin crust broke with every step, plunging his leg calf deep into the cold, white fluff that lay underneath. Graham breathed hard, sucking the frigid crystalline air into his lungs. The storage shed was only ten metres from the main research base, but it was a long, cold ten metres. He looked to the north and grinned. Every direction was north from where he was. The direction he thought of as north, though, back towards Tasmania, was shrouded with a black blanket of storm clouds. He'd need to hurry if he didn't want to spend the night in the shed again. He didn't mind being the one to go. It gave him a chance to be away from the others. It wasn't as if he didn't like them. 
except for Marshall, but there was only so much he could take before he needed some time alone. They'd been down south, as they called it, since the spring thaw had allowed their ship close enough, and now autumn was rapidly drawing to a close. The storage shed humped out of the white like the back of a giant turtle. Graham crunched to a halt and put his mitted hand on the lever that unlatched the door. He looked over his shoulder at the domes of the main base and pursed his lips. Marshall had been knocking back a beer and laughing when he'd left. With any luck, he'll go outside for a walk and get lost. Graham shook his head and turned his attention back to the door. With a firm yank, he pulled the lever sideways and pushed it down. A heavy clunk indicated the locks had disengaged and the thick door pushed in. He stamped his way inside, knocking the snow off his boots. The door swung back and with another firm pull, he shoved the lever back into the locked position. His boots clanged on the rough grill in front of the inner door. He banged his boots against one another a couple of times, alternating which foot he raised. With the last of the snow falling through onto the concrete slab, he turned the next door lever, pushed his way in and closed it. The shed was heated, as everything had to be down here, so he took the time to take off his mitts and heavy jacket. The dome was hollow, filled with racks of pallets of boxes. Some of the boxes were simple cardboard affairs, while others were smooth, plastic-walled, insulated and locked containers. He pulled the folded paper with the location of the toilet supplies from his pocket and checked it. He sighed, right at the back, behind everything else. It seems the other guys had decided to simply pile equipment from last outing in the front. This was going to take some time to sort out. He just managed to expose the large pile of toilet paper he was searching for when he heard the heavy clank of the door locks release. The door pushed in, and a snow-covered, orange parka-clad figure staggered in, making a strange, whining sound with each heavy breath he expelled. Graham stood with his hands on his hips, tapping a foot. The fool had brought a fresh pile of snow in with him instead of shaking it loose outside. "'What are you doing?' he asked. "'Fuck!' exclaimed Marshall, cutting off anything else Graham was going to say. "'What?' Graham asked, holding his hands out in query. "'No time!' Marshall said between ragged breaths as he grabbed the snow shovel next to the door and wedged in the lever to jam it. Graham returned his hands to his hips and opened his mouth to abuse the shaking and wheezing man. With a crash, the entire shed shuddered and Marshall yelped. Graham's tirade cut off and he charged over to the door. He looked out the porthole trying to see what was going on. The porthole on the outside door showed white. The storm must have started. What? was all he could think to ask. The situation made him real, reminding him too closely of the terrible night two years ago, back on the mainland. He'd done the same thing, stood and asked what, over and over, unable to think of anything better to ask. I, panted Marshall, I don't know. I was taking a piss. I... I don't know. Graham clenched his jaw tight and balled his fists. He wanted to strike Marshall, smash him with all his strength. He really was just like two years ago. Ignorance and panic was all that Marshall did best. Instead, he relaxed his hands and stalked away from the door. He'd taken no more than three steps when a second hammering bash resounded from the small airlock to Marshall's back. Graham spun, his brow knitting, the cursed word on his lips again. Shit, Graham, said Marshall. Give it a rest and help me block this door. Graham watched Marshall gather heavy crates and shove them against the door. That'll never work, 
He s- That'll never work, he said, as another crash rang the dome like a bell. You need something to jam it with. If you can push those crates around, anyone opening the door can, too. Marshall looked up, his red face open, mouth ajar. He nodded and grabbed a second shovel from the expedition equipment. Another jarring crash shook the shed and snapped Graham out of his inactivity. He found a pick and wedged it underneath the locking lever next to the snow shovel. They waited, but there were no more attacks on the outer door. Whoever was trying to get in hadn't thought to use the handle. Graham stood back and scratched his head. Who was that? What's going on? Marshall looked up from where he sat with his back to the door, his face flushed and his eyes red-rimmed. As good as it was to see him look so distraught, Graham was getting concerned. I had to take a leak, said Marshall, swallowing. It must have come from below. I heard it in there with them. What? asked Graham, raising his voice in frustration. What are you talking about? Who was that banging on the door? He put his hands back on his hips and scowled at the miserable little prick at his feet. I guess it came up from the caves we broke into yesterday, Marshall continued with his broken story, despite Graham's sigh and rolled eyes. I was having a beer with the others. You had left for the shed, and we were talking. Graham dropped his hands from his hips and found a crate to sit on. Something had happened. Someone had tried to bash their way in, and Marshall hadn't been this shaken since that other time. That thought made his stomach drop, and he had to swallow to keep the bile down. The last time Graham had seen Marshall this confused was two years ago. That day, the news Graham had received had sucked the life from him. His son had been driving Marshall home from the pub when he lost control and hit a tree. Marshall had been drinking beer that day too, but so had his son. Marshall had let him drive them both home when they should have taken a taxi. Liz was so excited by what she'd found in the ice cores, and Kevin was sure the cave hadn't been unsealed in hundreds of thousands of years. The atmosphere samples. Well, we were talking, and I I left for the toilet. I could hear their excitement through the door. Marshall stopped and looked at the grate visible between his boots. The sound of his slow, deep breaths filled the room. Graham could picture the scene. He had left just as the team had returned from the cave and started sitting. What happened? He found himself asking again. Marshall flicked his eyes back to him. They were red-rimmed, bloodshot, and tight at the corners. The dead? guessed Graham. It seemed surreal. Like someone should jump out and tell him he'd been had. That they'd been posting his reaction on the net. Had the floor collapsed into the cave? Is that what Marshall was on about? Their voices stopped. I heard a crash, and Liz started screaming. There were sounds. I didn't know what they were. I wish I hadn't found out. For crying out loud, spit it out. Do we need to go back and help them? Are they trapped? No, Marshall whispered and lowered his head again. We don't need to help them. They're all dead. The sounds I'd heard. I went back to the common room and looked through the window in the door. The sounds had reminded me of tearing cloth and then a sloshing mop bucket he stopped and sucked a shuddering breath through his teeth graham's mind worked overtime whirring over the possibilities trying to find a scenario that didn't fill him with dread a sloshing mop bucket he turned away and ran his hand through his hair 
I didn't see what had done it, but the doors to the drilling room had been battered open from the inside. It must have seen me because it threw... I think it threw Liz at the door. The window was covered. I ran. I could hear it chasing me, knocking doors out of the way. I locked it in, got dressed. I came here. It's all I could think to do. The shed thrummed, and both Graham and Marsha looked around. A howling started along with the light, pattering sound of snow being driven against the shed walls. The storm had hit. Shit, said Graham. Shit, shit, shit. He stood and paced a circle. Now I'm stuck here with you until the storm breaks. Even when it does, there's a some crazy son of a bitch out there looking to hack me to bits. It wasn't a person, Marshall said to his feet, hugging his knees. What else is it going to be, Graham asked, throwing his arms up. A blood-crazed penguin? A rampaging sea lion? Maybe a pissed-off pelican? I'm telling you, it wasn't a person. Graham grunted and dropped his hands. He curled his lips in distaste and stalked to the far side of the shed, next to the newly revealed toilet paper. If it was a person, why didn't they just use the door handle? asked Marshall. Graham stood still, staring at the rolls of paper. He'd already thought of that. An axe murderer in Antarctica was as likely as a rabid dolphin. But there were no dangerous predators here. Polar bears were in the north, and as powerful as bull seals were, they couldn't smash through doors. He'd seen horror movies before and knew that one source of monsters was a previously undisturbed cave. Doesn't sound plausible, he said, reaching out and squeezing a toilet roll with one hand. Which part? asked Marshall. Graham snorted. There were several parts of the situation that didn't sound plausible. Granted the killer was not a person, and given there are no large predators in Antarctica, the only place it could have come from is the cave. But, said Marshall, that cave has been sealed for some unknown thousands of years. Unless there is a complete undiscovered ecosystem in there, including large prey animals for a predator to live off, I don't think we saw any signs of that. Exactly. The wind howled and snow plinked off the dome of the shed, as if underlining the point. It must be some kind of trick, said Graham, turning. Not a joke as such, but some arrangement of facts obfuscating the truth. A simple answer awaits discovery. What? Like Kevin smuggled an albino gorilla on steroids into the camp and kept it hidden in the cave since spring? A spike of hot anger lanced through Graham. He clenched his jaw to stop from shouting at the annoying man. There was no point in explaining to Marshall what he meant. He took three deep breaths to calm himself before speaking. The explanation is beyond the point. Regardless of what was bashing at the outside, and despite what you say happened, we are in the same situation. Marshall opened his mouth and took a breath, but stopped. He let the air escape in a great sigh, the momentary anger draining away. We have to wait until the storm dies, said Graham, as he marked points off on his fingers. Then we have to go outside to assess the situation. Based on that, we either radio the ship to report or we pack up and fly out. I'm not going out there, mumbled Marshall. Graham again bit off the angry words he was going to sling at the pathetic man. They wouldn't have helped. Instead, he pulled some packs of toilet paper down, climbed on top to wait out the storm. Graham sat up. The plastic wrap around the packs he had slept on ruffled, breaking the silence. A soft white light filtered through the porthole on the barricaded door, 
casting ghostly shadows along the crates covering the floor. Marshall lay curled on his side, a lump of orange winter clothes amongst the shovels and picks. The storm had subsided. The clank of his boots hitting the metal grill floor made Marshall start and flop about in panic. The storm has finished, said Graham when Marshall looked up at him. It's night, he said. Day, night, we still have to assess our situation, Graham said with a shrug. The moon's out, plenty of light to see by. He pulled the shovel and pick away from the door lever, and Marshall heaved the crate out of the way. Keeping the pick, just in case, Graham pulled the lever and eased the door open. He looked over his shoulder at Marshall and raised his eyebrows. Marshall grimaced, picked up a shovel and nodded. Graham stopped to put his jacket and mitts on before taking the pick again and continuing to the outer door. The porthole was fogged over, but by pressing his forehead against the double-glazed window, Graham could just make out the desolate, empty space in front of the main base. It's clear, he said, pulling the door lever down and around. The door clanked and pulled inward with a groan of protest. What the hell could do that? asked Marshall, pointing at the dented and bent door. Graham rubbed a mitted hand over the damage and sucked on his teeth. A man with a big hammer, with the back of a fire axe, he said, trying to dismiss Marshall's concern. Come on, whoever did it has cleared off. Whatever, not whoever, corrected Marshall. Graham looked at him and sneered. The man not only made bad decisions, but couldn't think past his base fears. We'll check the seaplane survived the storm, then go and check the base, he said, setting out. The storm had wiped clear all trace of the tracks he and Marshall had left earlier in the day. They slogged through the calf-deep snow to the white, dusted tarp 50 metres behind the storage shed. In the white, reflected glow of the moon, the blue of the tarp looked black, and shadows beneath the aeroplane's wings looked like pools of deep water. "'You take that side,' said Graham, gesturing to the far wing. "'We'll need to make sure we roll the tarp back to keep as much snow off the plane as possible.' Marshall trudged to the far side and took his position. Together, they managed to heave the tarp up and back, throwing the snow to the ground behind the aeroplane. Puffing heavily, Graham looked up to see Marshall standing white-faced and rigid. "'What?' he asked, mentally cursing himself for going back to asking what all the time. Marshall shifted his eyes to focus on Graham and licked his lips. "'I thought I saw something. A shadow moving behind the shed,' he said. Graham flicked a glance over his shoulder at the rounded pile of snow that was the storage shed. Nothing moved. The light of the moon bounced off pristine snow. He shook his head again and checked the hatches on the seaplane were secure. Marshall joined him, checking the cargo hatch and peering in through the cockpit window. It all seems fine, said Graham, standing back and putting his hands on his hips. Now we just need to see what's what in the base and call the ship. I'm not going back in there, said Marshall, still looking at the seaplane. We need to get the key to get the plane going, said Graham. You can stay out here if you like. I'm going in. He set off, retracing the churned snow back to the shed. After a moment's hesitation, Marshall scrambled after him. If there was a monster lurking around the base, he hoped it got Marshall and choked on his spine. It would be a fitting end to such a cowardly and irresponsible man. When he arrived at the base, a collection of dome-like structures, Graham wiped his hand across the door's porthole. Ice crystals splintered and sparkled as they flitted away. The lights were off, so even though he pushed his face right up to the glass, he couldn't see more than the short airlock entry vestibule. He pulled away and cast a frown at Marshall, who stood a good two metres behind him. What? asked Marshall. If whoever 
Whatever, corrected Marshall. Okay, if whatever attacked the shed last night came through this door, it used the handle. Marshall frowned and looked left then right like he was about to cross the road. I could have sworn it followed me out, but it must have gone a different way. Graham shrugged. It was all a bit too strange for him. It was easier to assume someone was playing a prank. He only had Marshall's testimony to go on with regards to what had happened. The lever of the door turned easily. He pushed it open and waited for Marshall to follow him in and close the outer door before he opened the inner. Immediately on entering, Graham could smell it. A heavy, sickening stench of vomit and shit mixed with something else he couldn't and didn't want to identify. Marshall made a gagging noise behind him. What is it? asked Graham, holding his mitt to his face as if he could filter out the smell. Liz and Kevin choked Marshall. Graham looked down the passage to the common room, tearing cloth and a sloshing mop bucket. The description Marshall had given turned his stomach. The little light penetrating the base stopped at the entrance. The passage ahead was too dark to make anything out, but he thought he could see some kind of dark stain leading toward him and then to the left. The garage, he said, pointing. Marshall stepped forward and squinted. Must have gotten out through the roller door, said Marshall. It's a lot softer than the main doors. Graham nodded. It made sense. He flicked the light switch. Nothing happened. They looked at each other. The generator must have failed, said Graham. We probably don't want the lights on anyway. Graham approached the door to the common room, looking left toward the garage on his way. The garage door stood ajar, snow dusting the floor around it. Through the gap, he could see the cold luminescence of the moon, where it no doubt seeped in through the raised roller door. The only sound in the fetid, stench-laden air was the clumping of their boots. The wet, glistening marks on the floor were regular, spaced like footprints. The light was too dim to make out any detail, but they were large. At the end of the corridor stood the doors that would reveal what had happened to the rest of the team. The porthole was smeared with a dark liquid on the other side. With one look to see that Marshall stood behind him, Graham reached out and pushed the door. It caught on something, lying on the floor, so he pushed harder. As it opened, the smell of the place thickened. The reek of blood seemed to burn the back of his nose. He had to swallow several times to keep from retching. Through the open door lay a scene that could best be described as the work of a demented Jackson Pollock. Lumpy, indescribable masses pockmarked the streaks of blood and other fluids that splashed the walls. It was like a butcher's shop had exploded. Oh, crap, said Marshall. Graham nodded mute. The doors to the right, the ones that led to the coring room and the cave, were battered and hanging at odd angles. A stick of dynamite couldn't have done a better job. I don't want to meet whatever did this, he said. You see why I don't think it was a person now? asked Marshall. Graham didn't bother answering. He picked his way into the room, lit by the blood-smeared skylight. The officers were to the left. Let's just get the keys and get out of here, he said. We can call the ship from the air. Without waiting for agreement from Marshall, he made his way to the office doors. The carnage around him, the smell, and even the taste that hung in the air reminded him of the emergency room. Marshall had been with him then, too. He should have been the one being identified, not his son. What will we tell the ship when we call? Marshall asked. They'll want to know what happened to the rest of the team. We'll tell them to come look for themselves. 
said Graham as he pushed his way into the offices, leaving the mess behind him. He really didn't know what to make of all of this, but if it had been Liz or Kevin who'd gone to the toilet, he would have been much happier about it. Maybe the creature, surely was not human, would catch Marshall standing around looking panicked and gormless. He clutched his pick tighter in his left hand and hefted it a couple of times. Yeah, said Marshall. No one would believe us if they didn't come and look for themselves. This was not the work of a person. Graham relaxed his grip on the pick's handle and nodded, more to himself than to agree with Marshall. It should have been him on the trolley covered in bloody rags. His son would otherwise have taken a taxi if not for Marshall. Here they are, he said, snatching the keys from the hook they rested on. Let's get the fuck out of here while we still can. He turned and bumped into Marshall, who was still shuffling about the room, directionless as usual. With a shove, Graham pushed past and led the way back out of the base. Whatever had attacked the team seemed to have left for now. With that thought, a soft whump sounded from around the corner near the garage. Both men froze in their tracks, straining to hear the telltale sounds of crunching snow. Maybe it doesn't sink into the snow, whispered Marshall. Graham rolled his eyes from Marshall to look at the shed and back again. The corners of his mouth pulled back in what might have looked like a grin. What are we doing standing around here then? Let's move it. They retraced their trail that led past the shed towards the landing field. Hold it, said Graham. You better get some supplies, food, water, a tent and some sleeping bags, in case we need to camp out on the ice waiting for the ship. Good thinking. I'll get the plane started up, ready to leave as soon as you catch up. Marshall split off, pushing the dented door to the shed open and disappeared inside. Graham strode off to the plane. His heart beat faster and his head seemed to swim. This was it. His chance. Marshall grabbed a camp bag. It was large enough to fit a tent, two sleeping bags and four days of military-style MRE ration packs. His hands shook and he fought for breath. Every creak of the shelves set his heart racing. The thing had been so quick, he didn't see it when it had attacked. The events leading up to when he went to the toilet were burned into his memory, but from the time he heard the sounds to when he burst into the shed to find Graham, everything blurred. He kept trying to remember if he had seen the monster, but whenever he thought about looking through the porthole, all he could see was Liz's head flying across the room to smack with a wet thud against the glass. It must be similar size to a person. The strength it had couldn't reasonably be in a smaller body, and if it was any bigger it wouldn't have so easily passed through the base. The sound of the seaplane firing up focused his mind on his job. He grabbed a pack, stuffed as many ration bags in as he could, and turned. The door to the shed was open. He couldn't remember if he'd shut it behind himself or not. Surely he had. He swallowed and cleared his throat. Casting his eyes about the shed, he couldn't see anything. There was nothing else he could do. So he picked up the camp bag and the pack and ran out. As he passed the last shelf... The ripping of claws down his back never came. He stopped outside and pulled the door shut, locking it just in case. Graham had started taxiing the plane into position, sliding it around on its skids with the ease of experience. He had a bad feeling about Graham. He'd never gotten over the terrible accident two years ago. With any luck, he won't bring it up before they get to the ship. Marshall jogged as best he could along the path they had made earlier. Puffing and wheezing in the frigid air, he pulled up behind the plane and noted Graham had already opened the cargo hatch. He threw the bag and pack in and slammed the door shut. It bounced open. Marshall reached for it to push it closed. The latch had been torn free. He opened his mouth to call out to Graham, just as the engine powered up, throwing snow over him. 
The plane pulled away, speeding down the runway, leaving Marshall waving his arms over his head, trying to get Graham's attention. Whew. There you go. That was a short story by Sarah Hughes called Karma Bites. If you've been listening to the Exit Plan audio drama, I actually used a few... Uh, what I in the in the drama was snippets from these old books that the main character finds. There are actually other short stories that I'd written previously as well. I've got a couple more in here. I, I might, in later episodes, read another one. We'll see if I can find. I got a story twenty one eleven. I don't know if I ever posted that one up. Maybe it wasn't very good. There's another one about superpowers. Pretty cool. Okay. I hope uh, you sort of got a bit of entertainment out of that story. Maybe you sort of see the sort of writing I do. I don't write horror. So that was that's the only bit of writing that I would call horror that I've ever written. But, you know, I like it. And now to talk about next week's goals. So next week I need to do Exit Plan Episode 13. That's the last episode. This is going to free up so much time on my weekends to do my other parts of my project. I'm going to publish book three. So as I said, my cover is almost there. It's 90% done. I'll finish that off. Publish. Uh, going back to my running. Uh, writing more blogs. So all this week, I've got to write more blogs. I'm now, I've written five blogs in support of, I guess, novel writing. And now I'm going to write five blogs in support of Exit Plan, which is sort of, urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy. And then I've got some blogs to support Space Brains about science fiction stuff, uh, some blog posts to support, say, my creativity and also the brand new Vincent King personalized podcast. So that's, that's a whole lot of blogs I've got to write. Bang. That's okay. I, I write a lot. And next week I also have to come up with my December plan. Thank you for listening, and if you'd like to get in touch with me, at Gravity Undone on Twitter, at Gravity Undone on Facebook or Instagram, Surrey at GravityUndone.net, check out my website, check out my shop, shop.gravityundone.net, and you can find my books on there, there are links to Amazon, because I'm an Amazon affiliate, so if you buy my books through Amazon affiliate, I squeeze just a little bit more cash out of Amazon, which is nice. Um... Stay creative. See ya.